0: don't even need to count down this time. Look at us All right. advancing in the podcast industry. <laughs> Welcome back to our fifth episode of Doorway Chats. I am one of your co-hosts, Liliana, and I am here again with the lovely...
1: Emma, and we're so excited to bring you today's
0: podcast. I have a great question of the podcast episode for today. What is an interesting show or movie you've been watching lately?
1: Ooh, good question. I just started watching on my own Designated Survivor, which is like a political thriller drama thing about like if the US Capitol was bombed and then, you know how during like like when when there are special events, like there will be one designated survivor who's like a member of government who is like sitting far away in like a bomb shelter and then if everyone else dies then they're the new president anyway so the premise of the show is the designated survivor actually had to become president and i've really been enjoying it how about you
0: i have been enjoying a lot of reality tv but i also just recently started the sitcom master of none with mm. aziz and and i am really liking it so far i'm only on episode five or six maybe but it's been really good And interesting they have some that are more funny some that are more you learn something and they have a very diverse cast which i've been appreciating
1: i like that it's like a an account of his life kind of right or like a like
0: a um or is it completely fictional i'm not sure i thought it was fictional but maybe it is part of his life
1: maybe there's a a different show that's about his life anyways cool
0: yeah But something I did want to call it, I've been watching a ton of reality TV lately. So I just finished a big binge of Are You The One? And I just saw a trailer for Sexy Beasts on Facebook. I don't know. Have you watched the trailer for that yet?
1: Yes, I have.
0: Okay. So basically for those of you, pause, watch the trailer, and come back. (laughs) Or if you don't want to watch the trailer, basically the premise is – the masked singer combined with love is blind. So these people are wearing masks that are in the shape of animals typically and then they go on blind dates. So it seems so weird and it is weird, but the whole point is you can't see the person's face before you, I guess, commit to being their partner or something, I don't know what happens at the end. And while I was watching it, I'm reading all these comments about, oh yeah, but realistically you can still see their body shape and you kind of know what they're gonna look like underneath or what their Mm -hmm. person will look like. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about how in Love is Blind, they could not see each other at all, but we didn't see much diversity in body shapes and sizes. So I'm personally sure that Love is Blind really gave us a good portrayal or test or whatever of what Love is Blind could really mean or be because they were all fairly good looking, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to call anybody more good looking than another person, but I would love to see more diversity in body types, styles, and even this isn't going to be the focus of today's episode, but... Um, disabilities, both mental and physical.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. I saw those comments as well on the Sexy Beast um, trailer and it was like, okay, yeah, you can't see their faces, but you can see that they're all like thin or fit or athletic or whatever because you can see their bodies and I feel like, I don't know what the contestants were expecting on Love is Blind but I feel like they probably knew like, yeah, I don't know what they look like, but the people are going to be like same with like The Bachelor, like everyone on The Bachelor is is like gorgeous and not that anyone is not gorgeous, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone is thin and fit and you're really not getting a diversity of body types at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Basically, everyone on reality TV fits the standard of natural beauty that we were talking about in our last episode. With the Mm -hmm. clothing clothing sizes and what we see on social media. So with that being said, today our topic will be body positivity, how what we talked about last episode plays into our lifestyles and everything to do with body positivity and body confidence. Yes. Yes.
1: And I'm really excited for this episode because to be honest, as I was studying up, doing some research for body positivity, I was realizing that I knew very little about the origins of the body positivity movement. I had heard a little bit about the kind of like controversy and issues that were involved in the movement, but I didn't really understand them very well. So this is very much for me like a learning episode.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us some of the interesting facts or bits that stood out to you when you were researching?
1: Sure. So what I found when I was reading, I read through a few articles and stuff. um, The body positivity movement actually started in about the 1960s, maybe sooner, but it kind of became a little bit bigger in the 1960s. And it was started kind of when this guy, Bill, he was upset with the treatment that his wife was getting for having um, a larger body. And so he found this article that was written by another man who also had a larger body about um, that more people need to be fat because people need to accept all body sizes. So this bill ended up going on to found the National Association to Aid Fat Americans, which today is called the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance. So that was kind of the beginning. But over time, it really, um, I think it kind of, evolved alongside some of the other movements that were going on at the time, like the civil liberties and the women's movements. So over time, it really became um, a movement that was for marginalized bodies. So that could mean fat, black, queer, disabled bodies, all of those people, people who are in bodies that are not portrayed in like mainstream media, or that is like the stereotypical, like aspirational body. So um, over time, that was really, it really became kind of like by the early 2000s, it became a lot of the time for like black and black women and women of color to share experiences and have a platform about living in a body that is not always accepted by a broader society. Mm -hmm.
0: And I also want to call out in some of my research, I found that When we use the word fat, we're not using it as a derogatory term or something that is shameful. We're using it as a descriptive word, the same way that you would use the words black or white to describe somebody's color. Right.
1: Which I think is a good point because like another thing that came up uh, while reading is that we tend to assign like words like good and bad to things like it's bad to call someone fat or it's good to call someone this or that body is good and that body is bad and it's like bodies are a neutral like thing, a neutral entity and there shouldn't be words that assign morality like good and bad to it because I don't know, like it's, it just doesn't make sense. Like there's nothing right or wrong about any one body. It's just a body.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point about body positivity versus body neutrality and just accepting your body as it is. You don't have to be overly positive or overly negative. It's just the way it is,
1: just like your eye color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... Um... I don't know, it was definitely interesting to read about kind of how the movement has evolved over time, and then how it kind of went from serving this, like, marginalized population, like, colored people and people with disabilities, and then it kind of, with maybe the rise of social media, has kind of gotten a bit distorted and, like, co-opted over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: especially with the rise of social media, there's been a distortion between body positivity and body confidence. So, I was reading about how body confidence differs from body positivity because it's about a person's own acceptance of their body. And so, the physical appearance is not important, it's just about the person and how they feel about their body. So, the way we feel can be influenced by external factors. Mm-hmm. and comparing that to body positivity which is in general the way
1: society sees bodies as a whole right and so that's to say that like I, I don't know someone who is white able-bodied is maybe in a smaller sized body like that person is can by all means have their own insecurities. You can feel self-conscious about cellulite or or your legs or your arms or whatever you want or whatever you are self-conscious about, but you are probably not in a position where you are being marginalized or treated differently because of how your body looks. Exactly, exactly.
0: And so it, I guess where the main overlap is is that Overall, it's body acceptance, self-love and self-worth all take place in both movement types. Right. It's just being conscious of you don't have to be positive all the time. We're Mm -hmm. always going to have a critic inside us and that's okay. We don't want toxic positivity, but accepting the others around us is what's most important.
1: Right. And then also, I think what stuck out to me in the in my research as like being important is that when we or when society in general, people who are not in marginalized bodies kind of take over the body positivity movement, we are taking some of the empowerment away from the people that the movement was originally made by and made for. So now we've almost gotten to a point where where the body positivity movement Although it was kind of like the way that it is in the in modern world, um, it was created for him by um, black women and women of color, and now we've gone back to we kind of have taken it over in social media, and and it's been taken away from those people who it's supposed to serve.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important that some of these magazines or social media brands that we talked about before are developing these marketing campaigns that incorporate body positivity messages, but acknowledging all of the different aspects of body positivity, not just size. Right.
1: Yeah. Because one of the, I forget, I think it might've been in like an interview with Lizzo or knows in a refinery 29 article. They were saying that like, yeah, it's great that there's like now um, models who like have larger bodies or, whatever. But even even with that, like the majority of the time when you see like a quote unquote plus size model, um, even that is like looking for a specific type of fat person who is probably has like a curvy hourglass white body. And it's Mm -hmm. still excluding like a huge group of people, even though they're I guess, like they're really just just going towards whatever's going to make them the most money and make it most marketable, not what, not what is actually true. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And I was reading something else about Lizzo. I think she posted this or there was an interview about it, how people commented on her body positivity saying that sure, she can be confident in her body all she wants, but because she looks the way she does... These people thought she wasn't healthy. And Mm -hmm. we all know, especially in North America and like the US in particular, and I'm American because so I can say this, there is an obesity epidemic, if you want to call it that. However, body positivity and the mental health and the physical health that go into that. Lizzo made such a good point when she said, I dance on stage mm-hmm. every night and I like don't run out of breath. She doesn't have any physical limitations because of her body size. So that is not something that we should be saying, oh, we are discrediting a huge movement just because a few people think that they have a scientific claim. So I read right. an article about how there was one study that interviewed and surveyed women about if they felt like the body positivity movement contributed to health problems and specifically obesity that was causing other health issues. Right. And the study said, yes, it's causing – it's like linked. But there was an article about how that study, which this goes back to you know, what we talked about with the Vagina Bible – Mm-hmm. Was super small and basically has been de- um, discredited and disproved because they didn't ask the right questions and the health implications that they were talking about were not directly linked and all this stuff. So right. it's just crazy how I had, I was doing this research and I found that study before
1: I found the article disproving it. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. And it just kind of goes, to show I guess like in your research that it was so hard but also um, like that people are commenting this on Lizzo's photos that people really equate smallness of body with health which is not at all like a good measure like uh, it's really just a terrible measure because I don't know I think everyone knew like a kid in elementary school who only ate chips and then they were they were teeny tiny and so you can't and that's fine as well, but you just can't make any conclusions based on someone's body size.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. You can't assume that they're just not doing things the way that you would do them or that they're not valuing their health.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. And on the topic of health, I kind of want to talk about the link between mental and physical health and how closely they're related because especially... When we talk about body positivity movement, a lot of stuff comes up about eating disorders and anxiety and depression, which are clear examples of things that you can distinguish low self-esteem or insecurity and associate these mental illnesses with body distortion. So, and I know we're talking a lot about the last episode too, But Emma made a great point about Instagram influencers who, or or people who use the Instagram and Snapchat filters and they come to think that their body should or does look like the filters. And so it's really important when we talk about all of this, if you feel in any of those ways or like you go into any of those buckets, to actually seek professional help. Because everybody has a different story. We can't just lump everyone into this body positivity movement
1: because – or b- because of body confidence specifically. Right. And that's not – yeah. And that just kind of makes you think that, you know, there's just one problem. Like if if everyone can just be positive about their bodies, if everyone can just have confidence, then all our problems will be solved. But there's a lot more to it, Um You don't know what that person's background was with food or with exercise or with whatever, what kind of messaging they were receiving while they were growing up that might have contributed to the image that they have of themselves um, in the present day.
0: Mm -hmm. Are there any situations that you felt influenced the way you see your body or body confidence or body
1: positivity or anything like that? I think the way that I see my body definitely like I think that I don't want to generalize but I wouldn't be surprised to like talk to a lot of women and find out that a lot of women like maybe the majority of women and probably men as well have some sort of like body dysmorphia um which is perhaps due to all the comparison games that we play when we're looking on social media. And so you go from looking on social media to these people whose job it is to, you know, look presentable for photos and their entire, like all of their salary is coming from Instagram. So they have like endless amounts of time to work on their fitness and to do all sorts of um things to to get their appearance to where they want it to be and then you look at that all day and then you go look at yourself in the mirror and I think that is definitely um it makes you almost think that you look a different way or that you like are a different size than you actually are or whatever because you're looking at all of these kind of super curated edited perfect photos of people on social media
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's a really great point about social media because there's a lot of graphics that show okay this body type this body type if you're a they use like random things like hourglass a pear figure whatever other ones mm-hmm. then these pants are going to look great on you or this type of wedding dress style like a line or I can't even think of the other ones right now. And things like that really shouldn't exist because hopefully we can all wear what we want and feel confident and you shouldn't have to have a specific body type to wear clothing or participate in certain things. So I know there's certain sports where, and I'm thinking of ballet specifically just because I've seen it in like TV and movies and I guess gymnastics too. Where they say, oh, your legs aren't long enough or something about your body isn't right and Mm -hmm. for that reason you won't be able to accelerate in the sport. But then Mm -hmm. lately especially, we've seen some great examples of people who have overcome that. Right. So it's awful that these limitations are being placed based on a certain body type.
1: Yeah, I agree um this is like slightly off topic it's not really body positivity but just to your point I was watching the movie Moneyball the other day with Brad Pitt Mm -hmm. and before um in the sports world before they started to rely more on statistics to draft players to teams um they would literally sit around and be like oh well he doesn't look like a baseball player like he doesn't have the baseball player look and that's not really body positivity but it's just The association of someone's, like, competencies or abilities with their looks is just so crazy. They're so unrelated.
0: That's a great point because I was just watching a video about can this one sex worker, just by looking at somebody and having a conversation with them for four minutes, determine if they are a sex worker. And I think she got it right, like, 50% of the time. Which just goes to show that no matter what you're trying to evaluate someone by, you can't evaluate by what they look like. Right. It's basically the same quote as, don't judge a book by its cover.
1: Yes, exactly. Because the true, like, skill or person or personality is on the inside, not mm-hmm. how your body or your face looks.
0: Exactly. So I worked at the library for four years, and what I always used to say was you can't judge it by its cover, but you can judge it by the spine. And the reason was because if a spine was had a lot of cracks or was like super ribbled, you could tell that either a lot of people had read the book or if there was certain big cracks, then you know that's a really good part or that's right. like a defining moment in the book. Right. And I feel like that kind of goes along with the body so well, in that, like, everybody's spine has different cracks and they've molded themselves around those cracks and become who they have because of their inside, not because of their outside.
1: True. That's such a nice analogy. I like that. Okay, so what do you think, just if we go back for a quick second to like body positivity versus body confidence, for you, what are the important distinguishing factors for you yourself when you're thinking about body confidence? And also, do you have any specific things that over the years have helped you increase your body confidence?
0: That's a great question. I think one thing, I do this fairly often when I'm considering trying out a new type of workout or The last time I was considering joining a gym, I went into this whole spiral online of what's the ideal weight for somebody that's my gender and my height. And I feel like I do that once a year. I just go into this deep research phase to try to figure out if I'm in that range or not. And it's so telling that it takes me forever to go through all of these sources. No one ever has the same... Weight range or the same height Mm -hmm. for the weights. And after I close the tabs, I'm like, well, I didn't learn anything because in the end, I'm just going to be the way I am. And there's no ideal that I need to try to achieve. Right. So something that kind of helps me is either, which kind of sounds contradictory, is looking at those and saying, okay, you know, either I'm in or I'm not, but it doesn't matter because they're all different. And so all of these seem fairly arbitrary. And then I just go work out anyways because that's what I want to do. That's what I was going to do. And my weight is not an indicator of what workout I should be doing.
1: Right. Right. And then the reminder that like the weight is – doesn't really tell us anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Weight, I guess BMI can maybe tell you some stuff – but no scale can really track that. I don't know. Something else that we can talk about, those scales that tell you all of like your body fat percentage and all of this random stuff, it's like four times the price of a normal scale. And I thought about getting one. Then I'm like, what am I going to do
1: with all this information? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the question that I always ask myself like, I haven't weighed myself in probably 10 months at least. And every once in a while, first of all, I don't have in my apartment here, I don't own a scale myself. So I can't weigh myself here. But every time I go to my parents' house and I use their washroom that has the scale in it, every single time I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I should weigh myself. And then I think, oh, but I haven't weighed myself in 10 months. And like along the trajectory of trying to improve my body confidence, I would say that I have been like feeling the best about my body confidence over the past several months so am I going to destroy all of that because of an arbitrary number that I see on the scale and is a scale then with more information going to make me feel better or worse and I just don't really care to find out I feel like it will probably just make me feel worse Mm -hmm. because I think to me what matters what makes me feel confident is if I feel I feel good in my skin if I feel Um, you know, like I can do things like I can go on a long walk or I can do a workout or whatever. Um, and just if I'm like comfortable day to day, basically, um, and the number on the scale can't tell me any of those things. And I think no matter what the number on the scale is in some way, it's going to affect my, um, body confidence, probably negatively.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And why are we letting this piece of plastic and a few batteries that measures something about gravity. I don't know how it works, but weight just doesn't make sense. Why are we even measuring how strong gravity is pulling us down onto the earth, basically? I don't know. <laughs> and I really I know don't know. I went through the spiral of, okay, what time of day is best to weigh yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because sometimes of day... I guess there's less gravity. That's the scientific answer. <laughs> and you will weigh less. And then I realized it literally does not matter at all. As long no. as, like you said,
1: you feel happy, you feel healthy, and you can do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I really feel like, for me anyways, no matter what the number is on the scale, it doesn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Like I could yeah. be having having a good body body confidence day or a bad body confidence day and regardless it will probably like even if i'm already feeling good it will probably make me feel not good Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so something else i was thinking about is the older generations how they're Mm. influencing our younger folks in body
1: confidence and positivity yes that's a very good point also this is just a quick like this is a bit of a side note on, on before that I answer or before I, we talk about that question but I also think it's important to remember that like we probably just shouldn't comment on anybody's bodies because you know like if you see someone and you you think to yourself, oh uh, they look like they have lost weight or they look like they've gained weight you have no idea what has happened since you last saw them Maybe they went through a really difficult time where they, Either lost their appetite or um, were using food to cope in some way, or whatever the circumstance is, like they're, or they went through a health issue or something. You have no idea what's going on. And either way, whether they're gaining weight or losing weight, they might not be happy with it because it might, it might symbolize a difficult time in their life. And they maybe didn't gain or lose the weight purposefully. And it's, yeah, I just, I think there's a lot of reasons why people's bodies change and it's not up to any of us to comment on it.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's such a great point. Even if you think it's a compliment, right? might not be. And compliments should always, I think, have to do with their personality Personality and what's, if they're looking good, they're feeling good. You can say, you look absolutely radiant today, my lovely duckling darling or
1: something like (laughs) that. Or you seem so joyful or you seem so positive. Yeah. Like it doesn't
0: have to be about what their body looks like at all. Right. I mean, that goes, that makes such a good point, even about your haircut. Like somebody telling me, oh, you shouldn't cut your hair. Like your boyfriend wouldn't like that. I'm like, you don't know. And also I'm pretty sure he'll be happy as long as I'm happy. And that's how the whole world should be.
1: Like as long as you are happy. I should be happy for you. Yeah, because everyone's body, everyone's appearance is their own business. It's really nobody else's place to to have a a judgment on it. Yeah. So circling back to the kind of influences that older generations have on younger generations that you mentioned, um, do you think, or like just, this is really an opinion-based question, but do you think that, like our parents and our grandparents' generations were exposed to either more kind of fat shaming and body shaming than we were, and at the same time were not exposed to the kind of narratives that we are about that all bodies are beautiful and stuff like that. Do you think that that is like what the issue is, or how do you think that it is that sometimes older people think it's okay that they can like comment on the size of people's bodies?
0: I, I don't know what would possess them to make comments like that. I feel like some are better than others. And mm-hmm. it's just a way of being maybe where you grew up and what your mom was like. I think it's also hard because there's some people who outwardly would practice body acceptance and positivity to others but then within Mm -hmm. their own family that's where the comments start to creep in because they think well I'm telling you this because I love you or I'm telling you this because I think you need to hear it because I'm concerned and that's when the lines are blurred of should you make this comment and if you are going to make it how can you make it in a way that's what you intend it to be. Like, you always try to assume positive intent, but if, if you're the one making that comment, then make sure that they don't have to assume it's positive intent. You're telling them for a reason. Like, if you're commenting on their body change, you're saying, is everything okay?
1: Right. And then I guess you really need to, like, dig deeper before you ask that question and, and be like, well, what do I think is wrong? Like, do I actually think that there is, like, that this person is struggling in their life? Or do I just have an issue with the way their body looks? Because mm-hmm. if, I mean, I don't know if, if like body appearance alone is necessarily enough to conclude that someone is, has something wrong with them. So I don't know. It's just so murky.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely caught myself before too, like seeing on social media that somebody's body has changed and like you make a comment to another friend and then it just spreads from there. Mm-hmm. Something I was, I'm actually thinking about now folks who get tattoos and then there's people or piercings or long nails or whatever. And people ask why. Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is probably because
1: they wanted it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, so maybe it's, it's not more, really your
0: business. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Almost uh, probably like 99% of the time, anything about someone else's body Is just none of your beeswax. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, maybe a more appropriate question is like, oh, that's like a very beautiful tattoo. And then you can just leave it at that. If you are really curious and they seem open to discussing it, then maybe you can proceed. But yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the time we're just a bit too nosy. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I remember us telling somebody who had just cut their hair super, super short, a bob cut and it was a woman and I said, Oh, I like your haircut. And I just said it because I felt like it was a nice thing to say. And she responds back and goes, Oh, thanks. Like this is actually my natural hair. I've been wearing a wig for the past X months because I had cancer and I had to shave off. all Wow. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, should I not have said that I liked her new hairstyle or should I, feel comfortable that she just opened up to me in that way. And what's that situation like for her, all these people complimenting her when she hates it, but she she has, this is a situation where she kind of has the right to hate it. Right. It's Mm -hmm. It's um, associated with something traumatic. Exactly. Like we can't have that toxic positivity. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those situations where, you always want to compliment somebody's hair, but maybe if it's a drastic change, there's something to stop and consider there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also an interesting point is like, or just something that came into my mind is like, do I really care about how how someone's hair looked? Or is it just kind of almost like a cultural or societal norm that when you see someone and then you notice that they've had like a a big hair change, is it just like a norm that you, you talk about the haircut? And it's just like you feel almost like it's expected that you ask Mm -hmm. about it. Like, I don't know if I necessarily care all that much about what other people's hair looks like.
0: Yeah. Well, it's the exact same thing about telling people to get a haircut. So I realized on Brandon, I always tell him when his hair grows Mm -hmm. out, like, you need a haircut. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I would never, ever tell you that you need a haircut or that you need to do something with your hair. So why are you telling me? That I'm overdue good point point. and I just stopped telling him and I said that's it I'll just leave it at that and when he gets a haircut people always comment like oh like your hair is all gone and whatever
1: and it's fine pretty, it's all in good his distinctive hair yeah
0: yeah he has distinctive hair but it's just one of those things where you're kind of thinking about it like it doesn't matter what gender you are or what mm-hmm. your body any part of your body looks like people are always going to make comments and you have to just be conscious of it. And hopefully in the future we kind of steer away from
1: making those things talking points. I agree. And that just made me think of something that I would be interested in learning more about, which would be like, um, I know the body positivity movement seems to more um revolve around women but I'd be interested to see to know if there was any like um male involvement in it anyway like if if it captures like men who are also in marginalized bodies Mm -hmm. I think that would be interesting to learn about and then on the body confidence side of things I think that a lot of the time we talk about body confidence and you know like dysmorphia and body image and all that stuff um as it applies to girls but you have to imagine that men probably and boys probably feel the exact same things and maybe we have just not allowed them to talk about those things because it's not quote unquote manly or whatever Mm -hmm. and I think that I think in my mind to me I'm like oh yeah like most of the like media is portraying unrealistic feminine bodies but that's also probably the algorithm and I'm exposed to more of that that on the female side than the male side but there has to, like, they are exposed to the same messaging and the same, like, kind of conditioning that we are. And so it would be, I imagine, very unrealistic that they would be unaffected by that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about brands like Dove and Airy, they've really catered to the women's body positivity messages. But there's male brands out there like Axe that mm-hmm. really focus their messaging on, you know, the with this product you are going to get girls. And that really right. only caters to a certain audience and their commercials. Yeah, exactly. A straight, like
1: obviously male.
0: A lot probably, of the time the person
1: in the commercial is ripped, like yeah, what you're saying.
0: Exactly. It's just crazy. So I guess that's a topic we can explore another time. Any males out there, if you're listening and you're particularly interested in that topic, DM us. We, will, yeah. uh, we would love to have you as a guest and hear from you.
1: Yeah, I'd be very interested in learning more about that because I do think that there's a lot of, uh, like we, we associate a lot of issues, a lot of the issues that we talk about, with being more of a female issue. But I think we would find a lot more parallels than not with men.
0: hmm yeah. Well, with that,
1: I think it's safe
0: to wrap up and start closing this door. Um, but before we close it for real, is there anything else that you want to add, Emma? Any parting words for our lovely listeners?
1: Um. Well, I think something that I've been thinking more about now as we've had this conversation is that um, I think it's important that we acknowledge where, again, where the body positivity movement comes from, who it is intended to be for. And if you want to support the body positivity movement, maybe consider finding some accounts on Instagram or whatever that are run by women of color or women who are not in able bodies, queer women anybody who is not kind of the, the stereotypical person that you might already be following, I think that that would maybe be a good way to kind of get some new perspective, some diversity and help support the body positivity movement as it was intended to be, mm-hmm. separate from the, the body confidence concept.
0: Yes. And a few days after this episode is posted, we will put on our story one of those little question boxes where you can submit some of your suggestions for people to follow and we can share that out so that all of our other fans and listeners can benefit from your Instagram research as well. And we can kind of crowdsource that.
1: Yes. I would love that.
0: Any final takeaways from you? Um, I think basically what we said at the end of the last, which was be you to full body positivity, but also just remembering body confidence and knowing it's okay to not be positive all the time. But we want to try our best to make sure that we are always confident in our body and
1: we don't let that inner critic get the best of us. Yes. And associate some of your confidence with non-appearance related things. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Like your brain and your
1: spine most importantly, exactly. your spine. Exactly. Your intelligence, your personality, your laugh. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Thank
0: you everyone for listening. Hope you have a great day, evening, morning, and we will see you on the next episode.
1: Yes. Chat next time.